come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. A voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. We've been hearing this quite a bit over the last year and a half, two years, ever since the fire, as we've kind of adopted this mission of our patron, St. John the Baptist, to kind of give us uh, a vision for the restoration of our church, to prepare the way of the Lord. This is who we're called to be, not just as parishioners of St. John the Baptist Parish, but as disciples of Christ. This is a, a fundamental component of how we are called to this ongoing preparation that the Lord is always desiring to come anew into our life and into our world. And like St. John the Baptist, we're called to prepare the way for him, to get ready. One of the main themes of this Advent season, that we're called to be preparing, getting ready for the Lord. And this isn't something that we ever complete or ever finish, but it's an ongoing call that we will have this responsibility, this mission from this day and for the rest of our life. So we want to make sure that we understand what was the specific mission of St. John the Baptist. How? How did he prepare for the Lord's coming? How did he invite people to get ready, to kind of awaken from their slumber, so that when Jesus comes onto the scene, people are ready to recognize him? Well, our gospel today tells us quite clearly, John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist prepared people for the coming of the Lord by calling them to repentance. Because we're not ready to receive Christ as our Savior, until we're in touch with the reality that we need saving. And so this kind of prerequisite, this first initial step to truly receiving Christ and, and to preparing for his coming is to get in touch with our need, to get in touch with our poverty, to get in touch with our sinfulness. Because this will lead us to be more open and more aware of how much we need Christ to come into our life. This was the fundamental message of St. John the Baptist. Unless we think that it was, well, okay, that was just a message before the gospel. But Jesus doesn't come to, you know, just tell us that we're sinful, right? Well, if we keep reading in this first chapter of Mark's gospel, a few verses after our passage today, Jesus comes on the scene. The first words out of his mouth. The time of fulfillment is at hand. The kingdom of God has arrived. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
This was not just the message of St. John the Baptist. It was the message of Jesus himself. He came to call us to repentance, to make us aware more profoundly of our poverty, of our need for God, our need for his grace, our need for his mercy. And that none of us are excluded from this requirement of repentance. This is why Jesus showed great compassion and mercy and kindness to those who knew they were sinners, to those who came to him in that poverty, in that humility, asking to be healed, asking to be forgiven, crying out to him for mercy. And yet at the same time, it's why Jesus was so stern with those who didn't think they needed mercy, who didn't think they needed to repent. So we must always be asking our Lord for this grace to to help us truly recognize our ongoing and continual need for repentance. This has been part of the preaching of the church from the very beginning. We can look even after Jesus ascends into heaven on Pentecost, the very first church sermon from St. Peter himself. After he preaches Christ as the Messiah, risen from the dead, people are cut to the heart and they ask him, what should we do? And his response is, repent and be baptized. And so this has always been at the heart of the Christian message, and it's what we are called to today and every day of our life, how we are called to prepare for the coming of the Lord for ourselves and for others is through repentance. I think it could be helpful to maybe first say something about what repentance is not. Because I think we all can recognize that sometimes it has a a bit of a bad rap. We don't always like hearing about repentance. It seems somewhat negative, somewhat judgmental. Many people today in our society completely reject the idea that they need to repent of anything. And it's often based upon a misunderstanding. Repentance is not condemnation. Saying that we need to repent is not saying that we need to condemn ourselves. Or inviting others to repentance is not saying that they are condemned. If that's what people hear when they hear you know, us as a, as a church or as a Christian say that this particular lifestyle or action or choice or behavior, well, that's sinful. If they hear in that condemnation, then they're rightly going to reject that because nobody is open to this idea of, I should be condemned. That's not the gospel. We see this in Jesus himself in the story of the woman caught in adultery. Jesus says to her, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Jesus does not condone her sin, but he does not condemn her. And so too, when we're invited to repentance, it is not this self-condemnation where we identify ourselves with our sin and think that we're worthless or we're evil or we're no good. We beat ourselves up. It, It leads to despair and discouragement. That is not Christian repentance. 
That's what St. Paul refers to as kind of a worldly grief or a worldly sorrow. That leads to death. But he also speaks about a godly grief, a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, where we have this attitude of humility, where we acknowledge that we've been wrong, that we've made a mistake. That doesn't mean that we're a mistake. It means that we've made a mistake. And repentance is a message of hope because it leads to forgiveness. It leads to having that burden taken away. So we have to adopt this attitude where we're in touch with our our weaknesses and our poverty and our, our humility. And we know that every day of our lives we make mistakes, sometimes big, sometimes small. But if we're in the habit of just acknowledging that, without condemning ourselves, bringing it to Jesus, and saying we're sorry. It leads to more and more freedom and joy, where we know that we're not defined by our sins. We're defined by God's love for us. And so this should become for us this acknowledgement of our sins, this repentance and even confession, a regular part, a normal part, of the Christian life. And not just when we actually go to confession, but every day we can be repenting of our sins, acknowledging when we have erred, when we have offended somebody, when we have gone astray, and letting Jesus come to us as our shepherd and point out to us with that compassion and that kindness that You've gone astray. You're not on the right path. Come follow me. I'll lead you back to where you belong. That is what Jesus invites us to have that humility that it's okay to acknowledge when we've gone astray, when we've made a mistake, when we've sinned, because he doesn't condemn us, but he does invite us to repentance and with that to strive to sin no more. This is what Christian repentance looks like. And it leads to life. It leads to freedom. It leads to joy. It leads to a greater awareness and experience of the love and mercy of God. So this is how we are called to live our life. This Advent, every Advent, every day of our life. To be preparing and getting ready for Christ to come more fully into our life and into the life of others so that we can be his instruments. But we cannot do this unless we heed this message of St. John the Baptist, this message of our Lord himself, this message that is at the heart of the gospel, that we need to recognize and acknowledge our sins. And we need to repent, not just once, not just occasionally, but always coming before the Lord with that humble heart so that we can receive from him the mercy and love that he came to offer all of us.